Well, again, uh, one of the most actually difficult parts of this whole process has been trying to imagine what uh, text from all of Scripture I would use to preach in these last two sermons. And so uh, our text for this morning is going to come from the first chapter of the book of Philippians. You can find that page number 1,164 of the Pew Bibles. And we're going to be looking at verses 3 through 11. And you may also follow along on the screen if you're so inclined. Otherwise, again, page number 1,164 of the Pew Bibles. I still hear a few leafings, so we'll give it a moment. Okay, hear the word of the Lord. Paul writes to the church in Philippi, he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. I don't have slides this morning, so go ahead and keep your Bibles open. Um, I don't believe that a sermon is a personal address from the pastor to the congregation. I believe that a sermon is an opportunity um, to teach and preach God's word to God's people. Uh, so that God's people can be convicted by the law of God and be assured of God's love for them through the gospel. Uh, but today is no ordinary Sunday. Today's my last sermon as one of your pastors here, and uh, so for that reason, this will be a little bit more personal than usual. But as you can see from the text that we read, I, I found a text that was very personal. <laughs> Uh, so that I might be able to accomplish both of those goals uh, this morning. Uh, most letters that Paul writes uh, to the churches that he knows personally, he writes because there's issues within that church that need to be addressed. Uh, the church is either falling into some kind of sin or false belief, and, and Paul is writing to them to remind them what they learned from him about the gospel and how that should impact uh, the things that they believe and the ways that they act. But the letter to the Philippians is different. 
Uh, this is a church that is um, financially poor. They are suffering because of their faith. And yet in spite of their poverty and in spite of their suffering, they still care for other people. Uh, they've supported Paul and his ministry before. Uh, the whole reason that he's writing this letter, he's writing in response to a gift uh, that he received from this church while he's in prison in Rome. Earlier in 2 Corinthians, he mentions this church. He says there that in spite of their extreme poverty, this church was still pulling together finances to give a gift to the church in Jerusalem. And so throughout this letter, Paul encourages them to remain faithful as they suffer and to continue to pursue holiness, although there's no indication that they're in any great sin. He also encourages them to watch out for false teachers, although again, there's no indication that uh, that's a particular temptation for them. But the reality is, is that all of us as Christians need to be watching out and being vigilant constantly that we don't fall into sin and that we don't fall prey to false teachers. So it makes sense that he would say those things to them. Mostly this is a church that has partnered with Paul in the ministry that God gave to Paul. The Philippian church was a church that was as much an encouragement to Paul as Paul was to them. Later in the closing part of the letter in chapter 4, he says this, verse 15 of chapter 4. And you Philippians yourselves know that at the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. So as we dive into this passage this morning, hear these words knowing that Paul's heart for this church burns a little hotter. Think of it like this. If your absolute favorite thing to do in the world is to travel or to go to the theater or golf or fishing or sports, you tend to have the deepest friendships with those people who share that passion. Well, the Philippian church shared Paul's passion for the gospel. So he says in verse 3 of chapter 1, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Notice Paul is thanking God for them. His thanks isn't directed specifically at the Philippian church. His thanks is directed specifically to God. He says he always gives thanks to God for them every time he remembers them. And so you can picture Paul walking along the Roman road, going to some other city, and he thinks of Lydia or the Philippian jailer. And as soon as that person comes to his mind, he immediately starts to thank God for them. 
Every time Paul drops to his knees in prayer to pray for this church, his heart is flooded with joy. Now remember, for Paul, joy is not tied to his circumstances. He's in prison. He's in chains, which means he's literally tied to a guard. And yet in spite of all that, in spite of all that he's going through, he comes to God in prayer for this church and he experiences joy. Why? He says, because of their partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And you can read about him planting this church in Philippi in Acts chapter 16 and all the miraculous things God did to plant this church. And Paul is saying that they have been his partners in the gospel from the very moment he planted this church all the way until this very moment. And that word for partners is the Greek word koinonia. And it actually means a lot more than just partners. It means close communion. It means fellowship. So there's this intimate bond that Paul experiences with this church and the work that God has given him to do to proclaim the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for sinners. Regardless of the cost, regardless of the personal consequences, this church was all in with Paul. This is the kind of bond that teammates or soldiers experience with each other. Because they're all in with each other for a particular goal. But Paul doesn't just thank them for their fellowship in the gospel. He also thanks God for what God has done and what God will do inside their hearts. Look at verse 6. He says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. So this is an amazing statement of assurance of salvation. But what makes it so amazing is that another person, Paul, is assured of their salvation. You see, we talk a lot about personal assurance of salvation, but here Paul is assured of their salvation. So not only is he thanking God because of the partnership that he has with them and proclaiming the gospel, but he's thanking God that he gets to be sure that what God began in them, God will complete until the day of Christ Jesus. You see, the work of salvation is something that God begins and that God completes. And this doesn't mean that there's nothing for the Philippians to do on the human side of the equation. Every Christian must be diligent to work out their own salvation. It just means that even the things that we do to work out our salvation are things that God is doing in us. So that's why Paul is thanking God. Because he knows that God has begun this good work in them. And since he knows that God has begun this good work in him, he knows that God will complete it. So why is Paul so confident in somebody else's salvation? Well, he tells us in verse 7. 
He says, it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. So Paul's first reason that he knows that God has begun this good work in them and will complete it is because of how he feels about them. He holds them in his heart. You see, how else would it be possible for Paul to experience such a deep, heartfelt love for this church unless they were also true believers? You see, again, just like teammates and soldiers share a special bond because they're shoulder to shoulder accomplishing something meaningful together, there's nothing more meaningful to accomplish shoulder to shoulder with another person than spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's nothing that draws people into a more intimate relationship than when they are completely focused on spreading the good news of what Christ has done for sinners. And so for Paul, there's no other explanation for how he could possibly love them so much other than the fact that God has begun a good work in them and that he will bring it to completion. So the first reason Paul gives for why he knows that God is doing this work in them is feelings-based. But the second reason is based on facts. He says the Philippians were all partakers with him of grace. And that's that word koinonia again. The Philippians were people who shared in, had fellowship with Paul and grace, both in his imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. And here grace is not the kind of grace that God gives when he transfers a sinner from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. No, this is, this is grace that includes suffering in prison and suffering opposition to the gospel. So why would Paul call that grace? And the reason is, is because suffering is how we come to God, come to know God even more deeply. It is our endurance in and through suffering where we become even more sure that we are a child of God because there's no other explanation for how we could have endured that suffering and held on to our faith if God was not working in us. And Paul is confident that God has begun a good work in the Philippians because Paul sees the evidence of God's work in their lives and they have willingly become partakers of the grace of suffering with Paul. And the clearest fruit that God is at work in the life of someone is when the fruit of righteousness in their life is self-sacrifice for the advancement of the gospel. Because there is no worldly benefit in that. What else could motivate someone to do that other than the work of God in their life? And so Paul says in verse 8, For God is my witness, 
how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. So now Paul takes an oath with God as his witness that he yearns for them or that he desires and longs for them with the affection of Christ Jesus. You see, Paul is united to Christ by faith. The Philippians are united to Christ by faith. And by virtue of this intimate connection that they have through Christ, Paul is saying that the love that Christ has for you flows from my union with Christ through me out to you. Later in the letter, in chapter 4, he says, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. (laughs) I mean, he's just stacking together terms of endearment for this church because his love is so great for them. No other letter is Paul so over the top about his love for them. But it makes sense because... And no other letter is he more sure of God's work in them. And he is sure because he experiences real fellowship and communion with them in their calling to proclaim the good news of what God has done for sinners. Finally, Paul prays for them. He says this, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. (laughs) So now Paul prays for them that God would do in them the very thing that he just got done saying he's so sure that God will do in them. And that's because prayer is one of the ways that God accomplishes that in his people. He says that he wants them to have this love that overflows out to God and to others that comes from a deep knowledge of God and an ability to discern what is right and what is good, which can only come from a knowledge of God's word. And he wants this for them so that their hearts would be drawn to the things that are excellent. He doesn't want them justifying life choices because there's just nothing wrong with something. He wants them focused on those things that are truly excellent. See, there's more than enough true and beautiful and honorable and lovely things in this life to fill our hearts and our minds and our time with that we actually don't need to spin our wheels with anything that we just can't find anything wrong with. And as a result of focusing exclusively on what is excellent, they will be pure, which is just unstained by sin. They will be blameless, which means they won't be weighed down by guilt. And they will be ready for Christ to return and claim them as his own. And then they will have these lives that are filled with a bountiful crop of righteousness because of their union with Christ, all for the glory of God. So six years ago, this church hired a claims adjuster who had never been a pastor before. 
And unlike the Apostle Paul, I was not called to be a missionary. I was called to come and to minister to God's people here. Um, And it's been a tremendous grace to me uh, to be one of your pastors. Uh, It's been a profound privilege. And I am not the Apostle Paul, but the things that the Apostle Paul says to this church in this passage are things that resonate deeply within me when I think about Escalon Christian Reformed Church. Um, I cannot help but thank God every time I remember you. Uh, We moved here, I had a three-year-old and a one-year-old, and now I have a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and another one-year-old. And this church has done nothing um, but pour out generosity and kindness and grace and support to me and my family. I've always felt appreciated and supported here. So truly, every time I remember you and my prayers, I am filled with joy. Truly. The work that I was called here to do, I shared with you. You didn't bring me here and say, work. You brought me here and we worked together. I never felt alone in any of it. You have been partners in the gospel with me from the first day until now. Truly. Uh, Pastor Dave, you've been a good friend and a mentor. And um, you've you have demonstrated to me what a good pastor is like. And I got to watch from the front row. Um, The elders and the deacons of this church, it's been a privilege to serve alongside you. And you have all shown me what it looks like for God to assemble wisdom in a room that not a single one of us possessed on our own. We all got to experience what I would call ordinary miracles every time we gathered as a council and made decisions. And it has been a joy and a privilege to serve alongside you. And my youth leaders, I've got a reputation for being a good youth pastor, but you know, it's all you guys. Um... Your ideas, your encouragement, your availability, your willingness, your wisdom, your reminders, and even your rebukes have been such grace to me. Mitch, thank you for always reminding me to send out the reminder text. Mark McCracken, I don't know if you're here, but I don't know what I'm going to do if anything breaks in my new house. Heidi, thank you for always picking the perfect songs. And Joe, I cannot imagine life without you. Marvin, Laura, um, you have shown me what humble service truly is, so thank you. And my Compton team, and especially my Compton leaders, Dan, Dorothy, Yetta, Niece, Stacy, and Kathy, we truly experienced koinonia on those trips. And to all my students, one day you may know how much I love you and what a joy it has been to pray for you each by name. 
Um, then there's the evangelism committee, our small group, the Rehoboth trip, the New York trip, the men's Bible study leaders, and then all the many cards and letters and gifts that this church has poured out on me and my family. And then there's all the ways that I just watched God work in this church out of the corner of my eye over those ministries that I wasn't a part of or over. Uh, I think of the women's Bible study, getting to hear your um, uh, morning devotions through my wall every Tuesday morning. Uh, that blessed me more than you know. Uh, your snacks also blessed me quite a bit as well. <laughs> so I can truly say, that I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. I can also say that it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart and you are all partakers with me of grace and the trials and the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness that I yearn for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. So my prayer for this church is the same prayer that Paul prays here, and it's a very similar prayer that I've been offering at the evening service for the last couple of years. I pray that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray. Father, we uh, thank you for the, the love and the bond that only fellow believers can experience with each other. This world longs Longs for connection and for community and to experience belonging and to, um, to be accepted. And yet here at your church, Father, you give it to us in abundance. And so we thank you for that, Father. We thank you for the work that you do in and through this church. We thank you for uh, the privilege it has been uh, to serve shoulder to shoulder in this ministry here. And we thank you, Father, that we know uh, that you will continue uh, to work in this church. You will continue to bless this church and use them uh, for your glory and for your purposes. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.